Download the app, Bet Big, Win Bigger. And I got to tell you, I really like the sound of that. And with WinBet, it's just that easy. WinBet has what you need to win. So if you're from Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, or right here in Virginia, sign up today to receive special offers and take advantage of great promos for the big game and the upcoming college basketball tournament. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com. Download the app, bet big and win bigger. Let's get after it. Terms and conditions apply, must be 21 or older, and present in a state where win bet is available. Gambling problem? In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia, call 1-800-GAMBLER. And in Michigan, 1-800-270-7117. Tennessee, y'all too, 1-800-889-9789. Hello, welcome to the Greenlight Podcast. Mm. You're getting a good bit of trench talk today. You saw the title. Lane Johnson from the Philadelphia Eagles. Ted Karras from the Cincinnati Bengals. Chris Long and Kyle Long talk to them both. A little playoffs. We get a look inside the Eagles and the Bengals locker rooms. Lane gives us a Jason Kelsey temperature gauge update. And Ted lets us in on a little bit of his family's history. We have an all-time mailbag thanks to you all who submitted questions. Chris and Kyle actually really enjoyed this one. And Chris rediscovered Naked and Afraid. He's going to tell you about it in just a couple minutes. Y'all enjoy. We'll have the Freak Show coming at you on Friday with some conference championship preview and maybe a recently hired GM. We also have our Thursday afternoon AMP show, 4.30 Eastern. Thank you all for tuning in. Much love. Guys, it's National Compliment Day, and uh, I'll just go around the room. Kyle, let me read from my note. Going around the room, you're cool. Thank you, cool guy. Honestly, like you know, when you were younger, you were cool, but you didn't know it. And now I think you're cool, and you know it. Ah, so this is non-compliment. No, it is a compliment. No, it's a compliment. I'm (laughs) saying like the most bullshit. No, okay. So, all right. Here's how that was supposed to come out. But I I was afraid you would be sensitive. I was afraid you would be sensitive. And you're right. You're cool as fuck. When you were a kid, you weren't that cool. It's this isn't what I was having an issue with. What was it? (laughs) I think it was the part where you said, "And you know it." Well, no, I no, I that. (laughs) What I'm saying is, I walked around like 30 miles around the best way I could say it to say it another way and I didn't say it correctly what I meant is you're, you're really you're a great host Chris. thank you Kyle I came here today and I felt at home thank you, you. know I did so that's thank good you yeah we're pointing we didn't live with each other for <laughs> you yeah no you Matt uh, oh I got one for Matt is it another backhanded compliment no what the <laughs> backhanded compliment you guys are such fucking babies all right uh, oh it's national compliment day hold on a second that was it you know Fucking uh, baby. Uh, Kingston, you have a cool voice. You yeah. know? Thanks, I, dog. I, yeah. You know, we, again, here we go. There was going to be a time. I said in school, I said something about your voice. Yeah. Yeah, we were in high school. You said I had a voice that sounded like a sexual predator. (laughs) At the time, it was a little deep for everybody. It's like the guy on the phone that's like up to no good on the other end. It's Ken Kniff. 
Yeah, I got a body in the hotel. And yeah, right. Like, you know, like, who the fuck is it? But then, like, as an adult, it's a cool-ass voice. Is yeah. that another backhanded compliment? Jesus Christ. No, it's not. No, it's, it's a not. good It's a I good appreciate one. that. And now we got to, like, you Read. Know, it's okay. <laughs> you are a generous, kind person with good hair. Mm-hmm. That one's just good. I mean, honestly, like, I'm really just a good person. He's a sweetheart. He is. He's a sweetheart, and he gets it from his dad. I yes, I, I don't know anybody else in his family, but yeah. I will say his dad same way. Dad's incredible. True. I had gentleman. a great conversation with his dad about a month ago. <laughs> like, yeah, it Clean was awesome. Clean cut, classic, throwback, just like Reed. And Reed, he's the will neighbor give you, the, you leave the he'll keys give with. you the shirt off his back. Macon, you're not here right now, so you're not going to get a compliment. Mm. Just the, the way the cookie crumbles, that? honestly. <laughs> I didn't plan this. Matt told me it was National Compliment Day 20 seconds ago. So I'll get making one. He's yep. really good at the uh, basketball game that we have in the hallway. He beat me yesterday at horse. He's also good at gambling on college basketball. Yeah, he is. Just need to stick to that. Yep. Backhanded compliment. <laughs> that was good. See, it turned out pretty good. <laughs> okay. Uh, I want to add something to America's teams. Uh, and we are going to have to get a lot more. I don't think five teams is going to play like any I deeper. Being, in I went first. I was just getting made fun of. Kyle picked the four. Kyle picked the four teams. It's just such a good bit. I remember the first day you came in and you were like new on the job, and we just made up this stupid fucking segment. And you were like, "All right, um, Dallas Cowboys, <laughs> Alabama, the U.S. National Women's Soccer Team, <laughs> Alabama." Yeah, you didn't get it, but it became a funny bit, and it continues. Great segment. It's a great segment. Okay. So in the spirit of keeping it alive, I was watching Naked and Afraid last night, as I do sometimes. Only difference was my wife had never watched it. And, of course, when I'm like, let's fire it up, you're like, I pray there's no hot guy on here, yeah. right? You know, a hot great ass walking yeah, around the exactly, island. exactly. There wasn't. But there was this one guy that uh big blur you can't make this shit up <laughs> this guy yeah i don't know the blur's like down to the <laughs> like knee Borat. he has a birthmark they're covering <laughs> i didn't want to make the funniest shit is when they hug when they first meet each other <laughs> it's like a big bridge because the people is just their pelvic regions are as far away from each other it's as the they boner can. hug yep they gotta smell so bad that was meg's or good. Meg was like, you're into. Meg, we watched him for five minutes. Meg was like, her vagina smells terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and she goes, she goes, <sighs> UTI right there. She's just, she's just got that whole thing just caked in mud. It's like, um, <laughs> uh, it's all natural. People pay a lot of money for that shit. People yeah. go to Whole Foods. People have the, only fans. I think the rubs. Uh, do the people on on Naked and Afraid then? Par- I think the people on Naked and Afraid are missing a real opportunity to parlay it into an OnlyFans. So what did each of them bring? Like, I know they bring one item, right? It's a great show. It's a fucking sensational show. (laughs) Michael Bennett used to tell me that one day we were going to go on it. Together. Yeah. 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 Yeah, It's so funny (laughs) because like anything else, Mike, Mike used to be like, we should do this. We should do this. We should do that. You know, it, it, it would end two days in with me trying to kill him. Yeah. Because he just, he just, me and him are like, it's so fun. But then there's like this expiration date where I'm like, get me out of the car. Uh, but if we were naked and afraid for two days, I'd probably end up killing him and eating him with the flint stick that I bring or something. Flint stick. Yeah, you can bring like, you know, a bow or something. This, this, this gal last night. Yeah. Just walking through the swamps. They're in the Everglades with their. In Florida? Yeah, and she's just walking. She just picks up a snake, and she just takes it back to her partner, and they eat it. It's like these How people do they are. Kill it? 
I don't know. They didn't show that. Smash Probably just a rock, rock to the yeah. head. Anyways, there was a guy on there that that got. I thought he was being a hardo. He was like, "Yeah, man, I got attacked by a bear," and I was like, "Oh, big whoop, wrong place, wrong time." Bear cub. You probably. know, it's it's like rescuing somebody in, in a jet ski when they get in a helicopter crash. <laughs> big whoop. So then I find out he was also bit by a shark. So there's a pattern here. What's yeah. the chances? Guy of got that? bit in the head by a bear. Got bit by a shark, and then goes home and gets bit by a rattlesnake. Oh. Yeah, I swear to God, you can Google this guy. And Forget then his, his name. wife bit his dick off. No. <laughs> <laughs> bit by a human. The unholy quadruple. Why is, that, is that funny, man? He's like, he's laughing. Is that funny? Yeah, because he was going for holy trinity, and then he said holy quadruple. Tr- holy it's quadruple. <laughs> I just... <laughs> So, yeah, shout out to that guy, America's teams, the people that go on naked and afraid. And furthermore, the people that go on alone, because those people, and I explained that to Meg, they're absolutely another level. Because if you think about it, they go alone. Yeah, they do the show alone. Have you ever seen it alone? Have you seen the show alone? They're not naked because they can't fuck around. These people are out in like Labrador for 80 to 100 days. Got it. Alone, like bro. ultra marathoners for those people. Yeah, bro, they just drop you, and the people are talking to themselves like day three, like full conversations. David Goggins would record a hundred hours of a podcast. I wonder if there. if Goggins could go on alone. I'm just out here fucking cold. <laughs> yeah, I've done a, a thousand pushups. The tree's about to fall over. I've done so many fucking pull-ups. Uh huh. David Goggins would do well. He would thrive. So America's teams, anybody on alone and uh, and or naked and afraid. You asked if, we, if I had a layup line. Let's see if I have a layup line. Give me Green Onions by Vassar Clements. So this is the guy in Olden in the Way. Nice. So Olden in the Way was like the bluegrass band that Jerry Garcia was in, basically, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and it was like Grisman and him and like a few other sensational musicians. And I was just reading about Olden in the Way, I don't know why. Um, And this cat Vassar Clements was like the father of hillbilly jazz. So like he took his fiddle and he did like jazz with the fiddle and it sounds pretty fucking cool. So Green Onions, Vassar Clements. Um, Music news that I was gonna impart. Willie Nelson's 90th birthday is coming up. So he's got a festival going on at the Hollywood Bowl. This is one of those things that you buy the plane ticket and you don't mention it to your wife. You just buy the plane ticket, right? And then figure out a good time to bring it up. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go. It's in April. April. Yeah, late April. Here are some of the people at this festival. Billy Strings. Chris Long. Beck. Bob Weir. Chris Stapleton, Snoop Dogg. Jeez. Um, national Anthem at the Super Bowl singer, Chris Stapleton. Chris Stapleton's going to do National Anthem. There'll be props for that. I can't wait. We'll be on the Friday show talking about all the props, Gatorades, the whole thing. He'll be on the red with side Stanford of the Steve. mountain in Scottsdale. Why? The red. Oh, on the red side Thank of you. the mountain. Thank you. You guys stood me up on There Is No Arizona. I, you know, it's a throwback. Yeah, well... So uh, Snoop Dogg's going to be there. Neil Young's going to be there. Tyler Childers is going to be there. Sturgill's going to be there. Chris Long will be there somewhere in the Hollywood Bowl. 
with a bowl. My wife's probably going to learn about this listening to the podcast. Man. We are, you know how like um, there's a, there's like a, a dead zone uh, where you don't feel punts anymore, mm-hmm. like past the 10 yard line or whatever there it is. Like go. this is where Meg, there's coming up as a dead zone where she no <laughs> listens, no longer listens to the pot anymore. So I want to throw this in early just in case you're catching it, babe. It's late April. I could be back in like two days. Sounds like a good plan. I love you. Hollywood Bowl's classic. How many times has Willie Nelson turned 90? Anyways, I'll be in Hollywood. Check me out. Guys, the, the, the off season's coming up. Today, we've got two great guests. We've got Lane, who I played with. We've got Ted Karras, who I play with in New England. He's now in Cincinnati, and that's a key piece that they can't afford to lose. They're down to two OG linemen. Uh, he had a knee injury this weekend, but he looked fine. Uh, I'm not going to ask him about that because, you know, like, that's the bro code. Like, I'm, you know, it's not even about that. But Ted Karras and I will talk about Joe Burrow, I'm sure, playing in the snow. I'm going to ask him what he learned in New England um, that he might be able to, tr- you know, transfer from a playoff knowledge standpoint to these guys. Um, so stick around for that, and we'll finish with some fun after that. The offseason is coming. I found an interesting article yesterday circling on Twitter. Uh, and it was uh, the biggest quarterback hand sizes in the history of the NFL, and I was like, is it fucking June right now? Because this is the type of content that we live off of. Bovada, this was early. I had this fucking lined up for uh, a, a June date, and you guys blew your load in January on this thing. This was like... I'm really curious about the numbies here. I got some numbies for you. Okay. Crunch them. Mark Sanchez in the top 10. You used to live with him. How big was his hand, Kyle? We weren't shaking hands every day. You guys didn't dap up in the morning? No, we were. I mean. Guys, you're living with a top 10 hand in NFL history at the quarterback position. And you didn't even know it. Sanchez, great hugs. Great roommate. Great, great teammate. Okay. Huge hands, I guess. 10 and a half inch hands. Wow. Was that width? Yeah, it's a span. Okay. I don't know what ours are. Mine's 11. Yours is 11? Yeah. Damn. Got Jim Drunkenmiller hands. <laughs> I don't even know him. <laughs> Jim Drunkenmiller is, has huge hands. You can There's fact no... check that on the combine, but I think it's 11. Yeah, check my hands out too. 11. Yeah. Fucking bear paws. Kyle Long size. 11 inches. <laughs> Chris Long hand size. Ten and ten and an eight. What a baby hand. Mark Sanchez has a bigger hand than me. This is emasculating. I don't know if I could do this segment anymore. Who's number nine? Scott Zolak. <laughs> what a Polish, big-handed, he, he, yeah, tough guy. And he does dap you up. Tough when I've dapped up Scott Zolak. Guy's got a big hand. Here's another one. Ten and a half. Look at just Oh, Scott. we want to see if our hands have shrunk. Yeah. Scott Zolak's <laughs> Scott Zolak just looks tough as nails. Damn, my hand shrunk, dude. Yo, my hand has shrunk. Your hand didn't shrink. Your pinky isn't straight. My pinky's not straight, and I have a thumb injury. But Kyle, my hand, hand is nine and a half inches wide right now. Do the other hand. That's a loss of. They did fuse your thumb on the. They that fused hand, my right? thumb. Do the other hand. Oh yeah, you do the other hand. We're pushing ten. That hand shrunk too, and that kind of hurt. Hit me. Your maybe hand, maybe I bet you your cheated hand on the original too. measurement. Yeah, yours is like ten and uh, almost eleven. <sighs> almost eleven, Kyle. You've, you've the web hurts after that stretch. 
Kyle, are you? I haven't stretched are, that hard since the are combine. You, are sitting are you, reach. you and Jim Drunkenmiller are like, don't look down. Because <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, you. You, you know, know what? It suppressed my confidence for a very long time. <laughs> you're like, oh, wait, I just have huge hands. Yes. You get the NFL combine, you're like, oh, that explains it. Yeah. All right. So, Chris Sims, 10 and a half inches. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Thought maybe he was overcompensating for something with the Jalen narrative he's been pushing, but nah, guy's got big hands. We like Chris Sims. I just don't like his Jalen take. All right. Here's where it gets interesting, Kyle. 10 and 6. Oh no, let me do this the 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 metric way. Ten point six three inches, Nick Foles. Stop. Yeah. That's yeah. it. So he, he's tied with Heath Schuler. So you might want to somebody might want to check in on Heath Schuler. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. I need a further investigation on Isle Heath. Yeah. <laughs> Ryan Mallett, ten point seven five inch hand. Surprising. Just a big guy. Huge. Was supposed to be the guy. Yeah. Him and Sam McGuffey. You remember Sam McGuffey? Yeah. White running back from yep. Texas? Mm-hmm. Ryan Fitzpatrick, 10.75 wow. inch hands. Smart guy. Maybe A little hand. trouble loading that Polish rifle. Hand size, brain size. With hands that big, you can propose that at McDonald's. You going for that? Yeah. Hand <laughs> width. You could have got like a, a double. Distance from pinky to thumb. Yeah. Brain size. All right. Kessler, 10.88. Got nothing to say about Cody Kessler. Dak Prescott, 10.88. That's why we're talking about it. Uh, and then at the biggest hands of all time, the fucking Yao Ming of hands here is Jim Drunkenmiller, 11.25 inches. That's yeah. huge. Yeah. We look up the biggest hands in NFL history. Is there anybody with like a 13-inch hand? There are O-linemen with... Gigantic. 11.75 inches. DeForest Buckner, Goster Cherilus, who had a heavy punch, that makes sense, and Mo Ali Cox. <laughs> wow. Guys, is it June or is it January? Kyle's just holding his hand up in the air. He's, what are you, like, eyeballing your hand compared to... I'm seeing how they measure it. Yeah. Game's not till Sunday. It's early in the week. You're right. There's only two fucking games. Get used to this shit, guys. Buckle up. The offseason's coming. It's like when winter's Buckle coming up, Buttercup. In Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. and everybody's like battening down the hatches. All the old women are telling stories, the scary yeah. stories to the kids, like trying yep. to leather them up. Yep. All the old ladies are doing top 10 hand span lists. They're like, they're going to eat your fucking face up. Okay, I got some real football for you before we get into Lane Johnson. Bill O'Brien is going to be the offensive coordinator in New England. I think this is interesting because I never heard that Matt Patricia and Joe Judge got fired. It's like the quietest firing in the history of the NFL. Or they're not getting fired, probably just going to get moved. Probably just moving their offices down the hall to coach some something else. It's a corporate restructuring. It's it re- a corporate it restructuring. reinforces my narrative that, that guys with dimple chins are, are never to be trusted. Butt chins? <laughs> Bill O'Brien. But he comes in and your, your office moves. Well, yeah, but to be fair. To my point. You know, you and the other guy who never coached it before <laughs> yeah. didn't have a great year. I'm just saying. No, I know, but that's interesting. You got cucked by a guy with a butt chin. Beware. You got to be careful with these guys. Yes. Bill O'Brien, butt chin Bill. 
Uh, we like we like Bill O'Brien. <laughs> There's science. No, here. listen. Uh, the other day I got pissed because Macon cucked me on drafting the Pats mm-hmm. in the three-year outlook draft. I think the Pats three-year outlook's pretty good. They have a ton of cap space. They got cap space. They have the greatest coach in history. I mean, a lot of people like take pot shots at Bill. Well, welcome to the the rest of the NFL. Like now you got to do it with with Mac Jones and and Bailey Zappi and whoever the fuck else. Cam Newton for a year, like. Um, but I think this is really good for the Pats. You know, uh, I think this makes it a better destination for free agents. Uh, I think Mac Jones and him have a history. I think when he was at Bama, uh, Bill came on in 21, I want to say, and Mac was just finishing training. So I think they really got together and, and did a little work and, and, and that sort of thing. He got the Saban internship. So he's been down at Bama. Look at that butt chin, dude. <laughs> Dude, I almost just threw my back out laughing. <laughs> He's just mouth wide open. That's a fucking picture that's on the screen. That thing is like a... Uh, uh, I almost just threw out my It's like somebody five. put their... They didn't cut their thumbnail for a year and just... <laughs> like a toddler. Yeah. Just him. <laughs> okay. okay. All right. So there's a lot to like about this, man. I think the Pats are going to be better off yes. for it. His offense, he can go pro style. Willie James. Like a lot of what they do is going to be based upon the t- the tight ends. And, you know, obviously if they have anything, they have tight ends. Um, the tight end featured offense, you get the run, you get the play action. You can also go RPO. You can go bubble screens. You can go kind of more spread. I think it, it depends on like, hey, if you're at Bama, you're running more spread because you got five fucking guys outside uh, that you can trust. And up in New England at this juncture, it's a tight end based offense. So you see more pro stop, but they can go with some of that RPO, some of that quick stuff. You as can well. see like what we've seen in Kansas City. A lot of the tight end usage has been out of the spread formations. Uh, you can put multiple tight ends on the field. You can have Noah and yeah. Travis out there. We're looking at potentially seeing Jody Fortson. I'm not sure who they've activated between him and Clyde Allaire. I'm Jody, baby. This week, but Jody Fortson's a six seven tight end. We're yeah. looking at potentially seeing a, a full I'll call it a full house formation. I know there's another full house formation, but I'm not talking about that one. Yeah. Um, that's a running formation. Yep. This full house, I'm talking Jody Fortson, Travis Kelsey, yeah. uh Noah Gray, all on the field at the same time. Yeah. Um, that could be what we, we're gonna see. The ball's out quick. Yep. You have uh, options for bubbles because you have good lead blockers. You can run the ball out of that because you've got the edges sealed up with mismatches in terms of size. And Bill Belichick, one thing he's going to do is he's going to adapt. And uh, that's what they do well. It'll be interesting to see how the team's identity changes. Yeah, that's what they do well. So I think this is a, a positive if you're a New England fan. Uh, and at the very least, Mac Jones is going to stop. Um, and justifiably complaining in public about the offense um, because I think Bill is palatable for him. It's um, funny. Like, a lot of teams will connect a guy with his college coordinator, and we usually think of that as, like, an organization that really, like, coddles their players. Yep. And that's not what you think of when you think of New England. But No, this is a pro player move. Doing it. But it's also a pro, like, success move. Yeah. You needed somebody that you trusted. I think one of the reasons that Matt and Joe were brought in to do this square peg thing with a round hole is, you know, like, I trust them. And you don't have to pay them as much. Um, so, yeah, famous people with butt chins. Uh, and we'll go to Lane. <laughs> they call them cleft chins, Kyle, so be careful. <laughs> John Travolta. Russell Crowe. So far, it's tracking. Andy Dick. So far, it's tracking. 
Ben Affleck fucked the whole thing up with J-Lo. Oh. Or no, Jennifer Garner. No, and then he got back with J-Lo. Yeah, so did the whole babysitter thing. So you, yeah, butt chin. Um, Sir Patrick Stewart. You know who that is? Professor X? Yeah. Yeah. By the way, the other day we were talking about... You thought he was a bad guy. No, there is an old bad guy. And I figured out who, who the fuck it was. Not Magneto, guys. There's an, there's an old bad guy in X-Men. And it was... Uh, God damn it, it's another old white guy. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. You know who I'm talking about. He wears gray. Yeah, it wasn't... And he, he wears like a little helmet You guys helmet just thing. don't watch X-Men. He wears this? He wears Arabian goggles. Yeah, no, you don't have to rock sand that. That's exactly what he's wearing. He's wearing high-tech Arabian goggles. <laughs> yeah. Who is the guy? No, that's not him. That's that's old... That's the strikingly good-looking guy that got the fuck... Heidi Klum... Covered in, white male covered in blue ink. Wasn't that who it was in blue ink? No, it wasn't. <laughs> Type in that. Who was it that was in blue in X-Men? Mystique. Yeah, well, who was the actress? Jennifer Lawrence. Jennifer depends, Lawrence. Which, was it Jennifer? The, the older one. The new one. Yeah, the older one. It was one. Rebecca Romaine. Oh, Ooh, Rebecca Romaine. I've seen the X Men a lot, and okay. I don't know who you're talking about. There's an. You have not seen the X Men a lot. Clearly. <laughs> yeah, you've seen the X Men a lot, sure. There's an old guy in X Men. Who, who's, who's the biggest villains? Put in X-Men villains. It's Magneto. He's the biggest villain. It's not Magneto. I know the guy that can move entire cities. <laughs> Look at that picture of all the... There's too many villains. <laughs> this is a cool picture, though. Is it old Magneto? There's an old Magneto and a That's young it. Magneto. That's it. It's the old Magneto. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you do watch X-Men. I know. We you were, you were about Magneto. to be like, stop gaslighting me. No, I didn't feel that way. I felt like legitimately there was a breakdown in communication. There is, and it's confusing because yeah. in some of the movies, he's old. Well, in it's some because of, of a storyline called The Days of Futures Past where they go in back in time and then they like recycle it. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Chris. One last movie thing. The movie Go is a great movie. It's a movie that I grew up watching. Hell have yeah. you guys ever seen Go? Absolutely. And I realized over the holiday season, and I should have said this sooner, that it is a Christmas movie. Oh, right. Go is a Christmas movie. I didn't think movie. of that. I haven't seen it. The people should decide, but I've already decided. It's a Christmas movie. It's a great movie. Look at the cast of Go, Kyle. Yeah. Sarah Polly is actually a great actress. It's like a, it's it's like the who's who's of, of Hollywood, and it's like 1999. All right. Let's get to Lane Johnson. Stick around and have fun. The best moments in a sports fan's life are in football season. I'm not talking about September. I'm not talking about the first week in October. I'm not even talking about the second week in October. I'm talking about when it gets colder, the temperature drops, the games get bigger, the hits get harder, and you can curl up and watch some meaningful football. I like to do it with a Miller Lite from the fridge and a cold frosty mug from the freezer. Frosty mug, meat, a cold, beautiful can of Miller Lite from my fridge. That's teamwork. We come together, we can make a great play out there, and the, and the best play to make on a Sunday is a nice cold Miller Lite and a frosty mug at home. That's my favorite thing. Maybe a fire in the fireplace. Yeah, now we're talking. But Miller Lite, it's an original, and it's more than that. It's been a fan favorite since 1975. The best part, no matter how your team plays, Miller Lite is always a winner. The perfect beer for Sundays, I gave you the, the hot tip. Having that frosty mug is a lot like having home field advantage. I mean, like, it just makes everything better for your boy and your boy's friends who file in every Sunday to enjoy cold, ice-cold Miller Lite uh, at, at, at my house. 
I mean, we have a lot of people over, and I got to have the Miller Lite stocked up. A lot of light beer cuts back on the most crucial ingredient, flavor. Just 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12-ounce serving. Miller Lite, quick on its feet, heavy hitting on flavor. No wonder it's been MVP from day one. This football season, enjoy the sweet taste of victory with Miller Lite, the original light beer. Find it pretty much anywhere beer is sold. Go to MillerLite.com slash Greenlight for delivery options near you. It's Miller time. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. Cash App. The easy way to send, spend, save, and invest with friends. Cash App helps you connect effortlessly with your finances and with your people. And that's money. I love going on a float with my buddies and my custom Cash App card. We head out to the James River, we pick up some drinks, we pick up some snacks along the way, somebody pays with their custom Cash App card, and we all share our cash tags and split the bill. That is what friends are for. Cash App provides us with an easy way to send and spend money, save and invest in stock and Bitcoin. Cash App, however, does not provide a dry pair of pants. You wanna remember that when you get off the river. Try the number one finance app in the App Store. Whether sending, spending, saving, investing, splitting, tipping, donating, or gifting, that's money, and that's Cash App. Download Cash App from the App Store or Google Play Store today to create your own cash tag. I got Lane Johnson. We've talked since then, but going into your bye week, you texted me. You were like, "Son, I need to, I need to, I need to get to the mountains or something. I need to go sleep in your backyard and get away." Uh, what did you, how did you spend your bye week and how nerve wracking? It's like good to have a bye week, but it's a lot of sitting around. I went to the smoke filled Tropicana, uh, hotel and casino in Atlantic city and, uh, <laughs> went and watched a couple of, uh, pretty, uh, pretty, they're pretty good, uh, comedy shows. Uh, and then we gambled a little bit on the, uh, golden Buffalo and, uh, roulette. Nice. Nice. Are Just, there any games you don't play at the casino? I mean, I really, I'm a really dude like the Golden Buffalo, and I'll do some roulette. I play blackjack, but other than that, I really don't go too crazy. I like the food; they have good restaurants there. It's only an hour away from here. There's not else. What else you're gonna are you gonna do around here? That was a far cry from visiting me and sleeping in the yard, but yeah. Well, Bo's already coming down, so Bo wasn't there. I'd probably. Yeah. Just yeah, Bo, uh, Bo, and Lane in the house. Bo's a good time. Bo is a good time. He asked a lot of questions. Smart guy. He's kind of like having it's like kind of like having another kid in the house. <laughs> Just constantly, uh, he's asking and wanting to know stuff. Yeah, exactly, dude. And I don't have all the fucking answers, as you know. So, um, <laughs> hey, how cool was it seeing the fans uh, lock up those lots? I guess they couldn't get in there before four last week, and they bought a bunch of lacrosse tickets up. Had you heard this? I did not hear. So this. basically, like yeah, here. Eagles fans, they. Um, they, they couldn't get in the lots before 4 p.m. for some reason because there was a lacrosse game or something of that nature, which is weird that, that they were playing on the field. Were they playing on the field before the, the NFC championship? I think it was the same like facility area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they couldn't get in the lots. So these fans bought a bunch of tickets to the lacrosse game uh, and never went into the game and just took over the lot. How was the atmosphere at the link uh, the other night when you played the Giants? It, it was riled up for... At least the first half, second half kind of died down, but yeah, it, it was pretty loud, especially in the first quarter for us. It was pretty loud. 
which you know how it is. I feel like it just kept amplifying uh, the bigger the game got. So, like, the NFC Championship game we had, like, Minnesota, you remember how loud that stadium mm. was rocking? So, I don't know. I think it all started, like, defense. Like, they feel like they had four three and outs, and just with the time of possession we had pretty early in that game and able to run the ball. But, uh, yeah, man, it was rocking. Yeah, Reddick, uh, when Reddick beat Neal for a sack and then on fourth down they go for it on fourth and eight and they're down 7 nothing. I think we were talking about on this show is like I think Dable realized, you know how good you guys were playing and how what it was going to take to to keep pace. Uh, but I just felt like it got so damn loud after that fourth down. It was one of the loudest I'd heard the se- the stadium all season. Uh, how about you, like nerves, man? Like I know you've been through a lot with your mental health and like you know you used to tell me about how nervous you get before the game. Sometimes I'd walk in and see you doing your business and I'd be like, oh, never mind. I'm gonna go. <laughs> I'll, I'll check back later. Uh, He's how, transforming. Yeah, he's transforming. Uh, how's it been? Like, you've been deep in the playoffs. Like, is there a difference for you from a nerve standpoint? And then how do you impart wisdom onto the younger uh, guys? Well, the injury kind of masks, like, the nerves now. Like, usually I get nervous for a game, and now my, like, my whole focus is just focus, just one play at a time, just making sure my stuff isn't feeling too bad. Like, I was really nervous uh, – uh, the last game, I was just nervous to go out there and really sit on the bull rush because, like, I practiced. Like, the first time I went full speed was Wednesday. Did individual. Thursday was, like, uh, half reps. And then Friday, I did the whole practice. But I never really got just, like, bull rushed, ran down the middle. So, my thing was how am I going to absorb that force? And I felt like whatever healed up in, like, a month, like, re-ripped or, like, re-like stretched out again. And then after that, I felt – a lot better, especially second uh, second quarter through the end of the game. Yeah, you might be breaking up scar tissue or something like that. Yeah, that's what I felt like. Uh, but yeah, just a, just a weird feeling going into a game. Uh, yeah, but whatever you take away, you like it, if I got a hold of somebody, I was like, damn it, if, if they're, I'm letting go. Now, Lane, uh, t- take me into practice uh, when you're figuring out how to sit on the bull. You do indie, and it feels pretty good, and you're like, all right, I got you know seven of the ten reps for you in team, and then you go out there. Are you having a conversation with the guys across the ball? Are you saying, hey, give me stuff, but don't come down the middle? Uh, no, I mean, I mean, the first really full practice I did was Friday, so that's really – I don't know if guys are – Underwear. Held back a little bit, yeah, but really – Nobody really ran down the middle too hard just because we we didn't have any pads on. And I don't know, Toronto and them usually work at edge or the guys I'm going against, but I don't know. You could have uh, we used still, uh, Stephen Means. Dude, no. I mean, I, I would have made it the game. No way I'd have made it the game. <laughs> he was hey, Stephen Means was one of the best practice players of all time. A lot of bull rushes. A lot of bull rushes. Big old head. I mean, he was a big dude too. He was like six, six four, six five, two seventy five dreads, like uh-huh. Stephen Jackson, just six five. Yeah, I'm, there would be some days where I'd be like, "Hey, uh, Khalil Mack, don't bounce around even in the the mock game because I don't want to pull something." So right, I, yeah, I, exactly. I'd be like, hey, just go slow. Yeah, exactly. Well, I know exactly when for you, Lane, and and maybe you'll remember this play. I'm sure you will. But I was watching the game and you looked good, and I was like. Okay, he's holding up, and then Dexter Lawrence lined up in uh, out in a five, and I was like, "Okay, here comes the bull," and uh, he came right down the middle of you, man. Do you remember the play I'm talking about? And you actually held up and anchored. Um, yeah, I was, yeah. I, so what you got to do those big guys like you got to punch them and then and then retreat. So slow him down a little bit and then uh huh. Then retreat instead of just sit there and letting him build up ahead of steam and yeah and. Uh, 
Yeah, oh yeah, I remember that. I just uh, felt like a, a damn stegosaurus moved outside of me. Just, have you seen how big that dude's thighs are? Yeah, just dude. like a damn. It was crazy watching him take tire. over. He was taking over the Minnesota game, and I know you guys are watching the same film I'm watching. The last. Yeah, they they put that center in a bad position. Mm -hmm. I feel like a few plays. That's tough. Mm -hmm. uh, hey man, it's. It, I mean, it is it, two totally different games. Tackles more in space, but those guards, what they got to deal with, you got to be strong. It is a different. Different type of violence inside. What do you I'm think of the what you what you think of the edge rushers out there for the Giants? You got to block Thibodeau a good bit. Yeah, I feel like Thibodeau was like really big on like the cadence, the snap count. So I felt like whenever we played there, he's very good at read reading like the head bob or whatever you know the cadence that we use and timing it. So he would get a good jump. And so anytime you have a guy doing that, it can make a, t a tackle turn real quick, and you know he can he has a better chance of beating you. Whereas you know I'm getting a jump on the count. Uh, or timing uh, at home. Um, yeah, they had him, uh, Ojolari, uh, Dexter, and then that was really it. Uh, yeah, after after the first quarter, after the first two drives, I was I was good. I was just really nervous. It was first how I was going to respond after, like I felt some pain or whatever. But it, it eventually wore off. I felt like. Did you call Cam Jordan? Did I hear that? Because he had the same injury to ask him about how to kind of navigate through it. Yeah, hold on. Let me let me read the message. Okay. So so Brian, the guy that runs my Twitter and Instagram, I guess he had. What was funny? We had so Grant Calcaterra was drafted to our team, and I guess Brian was messaging him all off season or whatever, come hang or whatever. And then we get to the locker room, and I I just walked to my locker. I guess he tried to dap me up. I had no, I didn't know who it was. Mm -hmm. I've been talking. <laughs> You got a social media assistant. Yeah, who he doesn't, he can't identify in a lineup. This. He, <laughs> he's got a whole staff. I'm just over here DMing Lane's assistant. Yep, pretty much. He said, "Hey, bro, Caesar Ruiz was talking about me about your adductor being torn." He said, "It's going to hurt every step." I told him core shorts and Advil, but that's because I don't take tour at all. He said, "Good luck on anchoring that shit." Gonna hurt every time. <laughs> Yo, Cam Jordan doesn't take tour at all. He's been through everything he's been through, all those bull rushes. He's 30-something years old. He's got 100 career sacks, and he never took tour at all. What? Missed one game because of an eye. Bro, yeah. I, I don't know if I'd be able to play. Hey, was it true that he went to uh, Japan to train with the sumo guys? Oh, I, heard I, that. I don't doubt it one bit. Don't doubt it at all. I heard he did that. Don't uh, doubt it at all. What? Maybe, what? What is? What's the pain... What's the pain like to describe to a regular person how the pain of a torn adductor feels like the first week? Uh, the first week, like getting up out of the couch, uh, getting up out of a chair, like it really hurts. I mean, it's like your groin, but it's also like your pubic region. So like right mm. there under your belly button, mm -hmm. it's like you got a, you have a knife in you. Uh, and then after that, once that loosens up, um, what I started doing is just like, stretching my leg out to like i guess where it was injured at and then just like holding it so like when we do like rehab so stretch it in those end ranges yeah but i don't know hey you're, you're gonna have to work it out somehow uh cj gardner johnson he got his car stolen after the game do you have any updates <laughs> did not know that is that true yeah you didn't know that did not know that. And see, this these guys are locked in. They're not even like guys are getting their cars stolen. They're just they're not people even going are, to work. Learning and, on TikTok how to break into. I these guess Kias. they stole his Kia. They stole his Kia. They stole his Kia. All you need is a flathead 
and, and a Kia. Is that it? You got yourself yeah. some wheels. Yeah. They find out who did it? No. No, I was going to ask you. Well, I remember going to my truck after the game, and there was a couple guys by the car that I haven't seen before, and I was like, we're by my truck. Mm. And I was like, didn't stay there long, went to the family room, but I need, need to do some investigation. Wait, there were guys by your truck that you didn't recognize? And they're, yeah, and they're alive I, still? I, I, thought, <laughs> I thought it may have been, like, some of the security because there is people by the gate and they're moving stuff, like, after the game, like, loading the trucks up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, not good. I didn't There's know usually no mysterious faces in the park. It's usually people you recognize. No, I think, I think Gardner Johnson got his car stolen away from the premises, but gotcha. Lane might have a lead on, uh, on the car thieves. Uh, last, last question on, 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 on your team and, and over the weekend. Like, Devontae Smith, he comes suited and booted to every home game. I think he does for the away games, too. Is he the best-dressed guy in the locker room? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Uh, him, Jalen can dress up. Devontae dresses up like an old boot, like an old bootlegger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. He's uh, man, he's funny. Yeah, probably him and Jalen. Yeah, uh, try to help anybody else. Uh, Gardner sometimes he'll rock it out like kind of his own style. Mm-hmm. Uh, trying to who I compare? Kelsey. Yeah, dude, Kelsey gets to wear those ugly ass five hundred four New Balance, whatever the old dad shoes. <laughs> You'll be there. He wears like I wear. I mean, I, I'm terribly dressed person, but he dresses like shit. Yeah, he does. Going. Intentionally, I yeah, think, yeah you know, intentionally. intentionally. How about the How about the old one handed pancake? The one hand pancake we saw from yeah, Kelsey, the crazy. hip toss. What was the reaction in the in the room uh, when you guys saw that one? Uh, we didn't even we haven't even watched it yet. We'll know tomorrow. I guess uh, it is Tuesday. Yeah, well, it, it is Tuesday, and you know, like honestly, whenever that happens, I'm like a I'm like a D line lawyer. Immediately, I'm like, where did his? He definitely got his foot tangled up because usually, yeah. you know, a guy will get pancake. Happens. With, I mean, how do you how do you get a big guy to move? Is by crossing their feet. So I guarantee you, he caught him just right when that foot was planted and or in the air and caught him. Yeah. Way rolled him. But he didn't trip upon further examination. I can't take this case. No, he just got, he got just that got right launched. hand up under his left arm yeah. and hit him with the old, you yeah. know, the, the Jay Glazer. He yeah. Hit the him Jay with Glazer. The Jay <laughs> 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 he hit him with that tie bow. <laughs> you got to break the wrist. And you <laughs> hit him with that Vern Troyer. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucked up. <laughs> um, hey, I wanted to ask you about the speed of this Niners defense. Yeah. Is there anything different you guys are doing to prepare as an offensive line? Are you guys communicating with the OC about some of the stuff you like versus these guys? What's the deal? Yeah, I'm going to say, hey, Coach, uh, I'm uh, kind of compromised. Won't you help me out every now and then? Uh, that, nice. That's my line, Lane. <laughs> hey, over here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, just the guys they have all across the board. Like, Ken Law's really good in the run game. Um, then they have Bosa, obviously, Armstead. Armstead's so long, he's like DeForest Buckner. Yeah. Uh, pretty similar body type. But, yeah, man, Nick's so uh, – he plays so low, and then he's he's so good with his hands. So, like, uh, I thought Kim and his brother are both really good uh, working hands, so you got to be careful with him. Uh yeah, man, just them and then uh, the linebacking core, they're just balanced. Their whole team's balanced. They got a really talented team. So, um, 
I mean, it's going to be a good one. And Fred Warner runs like a DB. I saw him. Yeah, I, I was. I didn't know he was that fast, but I saw him turn that one. I guess they ran like that post. And uh-huh. I was going, that was impressive. That's Man. a combination of a guy knowing exactly where to be and how to get there. Yeah, fucking exactly. Fast. Exactly. A lot of linebackers yeah. know that's where they're supposed to be, mm-hmm. but uh, not many can get there. And then Nick Bosa. You talk about Nick Bosa. I think when I think about Nick Bosa, you think about the levers, the strength, but also very good at the top of the rush with his hips. Yeah, he knows how to work very good angles. Um, and then, you know, what they also do too is like sometimes you'll run a inside zone to them and they'll loop the end and then, and then spike the, or rush the three and then loop in inside like an ox stunt. Mm-hmm. And that'll mess up, you know, if the guard's creating separation between the tackle, it's going to get picked that way. So they're, you know, on top of being good, they're very savvy with what they do too. So, um, I mean, that's why they're at where they're at. And then Ufanga can show up out of nowhere. Like you probably put your head down to do, you know, if you're on the road, you put your head down to do a silent count. You're looking at the ball if you're tackle, and all of a sudden you've got the the, the second he's, he's coming the of Troy Palomalu, where's Waldo? like right in your grill. Yeah, he turns up anywhere, huh? Yeah, yeah. They're, they're a lot of fun, man. They're, they're, it's going to be a really, really fun matchup between the Eagles' offense. And the Niners defense, um, you know, uh, Sirianni made a lot of news because of the Pizza Hut thing. Um, I don't know if you heard about that. He uh, Evidently, he ordered Pizza Hut. He wanted stuffed crust pizza uh, while they were breaking down tape of the Giants and the Vikings preparing for your Giants game. Is that a code break in South Philly to order Pizza Hut with all the the uh, fine pizzerias in, uh, in, in close proximity to your facility? We got to understand where he was playing, I guess, college-wise. Was it Mount Union? I think it's where he played at. So, probably the best place to eat in college was Pizza Hut. Pizza Hut. And he's been subconsciously programmed to, uh, you know, that's his only go-to. So, what I am mad about is we never had uh, stuff crust pizza in the calf. I mean, we we do our own pizza, but Mm. that would be nice. Yeah, to get stuff crust one week. So, so you actually – Mix it up, yeah. You you, know how it is. Are you pro stuff crust? Hey man, I'll try it. Yeah, I mean, okay. I, I, I like it all. There's not a whole lot of. Don't You'll like try it, it, or you've had it. I've had it. Okay, yeah, it's good. And then he had Little Caesars this week, which I don't think I've had Little Caesars in my adult life. I wouldn't question anything that Coach Sirianni says because he seems like a fucking psychopath. Does anybody try to calm this guy down on the sideline? Like he I, said, I, I know what the no, fuck I'm, I'm doing. Like it's, when guys lose their temper, as long as they're not beating the hell or hurting somebody, I like to let them go. Okay. That interview needs to be let go, Kels. Sirianni, everybody's got to get get it out of their system somehow. It's got to it's got to get out of nature. What's so his just, What's his whole poise? You know, like how Doug had his way, and then when we got to the playoffs, like his whole thing in the playoffs was to have vets speak. You know, he had his mindset about it. Like, what's Nick Sirianni's mindset about the playoffs? I mean, he's pretty consistent. Like we just, uh, you know, the whole short memory dog mentality message. But really, he just lets the he lets the, the older guys kind of do the speeches or whatever in the locker room. Um, but like where I think he likes to have a lot of fun is giving the refs hell. I mean, yeah. he really, that's, it's like the dog and the mailman, bro. They, you know, they have a mutual <laughs> just hatred. So, uh, does the dog ever catch the mailman? Dude, like when I, when I look at the coaches, like early in the week, you can tell like, yeah, they're sleepy. And then as, as the week progresses and how much film builds up, they just circles and the dark spots around their eyes just start going down. <laughs> yeah, so I do exactly. enjoy seeing that. I like exactly. I like knowing that our coaches are working. Well, it's good to know he does sleep sometimes because uh, he was looking like shit halfway through the season. 
I mean, he really was, man. You guys got to get him like a pullout couch in his office. Hey, they, they need, there's aging of presidents. There also needs to be aging of head coaches. That You're damn right. You're damn right, dude. That would be a good lookup. Oh, no question. Here. Depending on the team you're coaching, too. Yes. That would be interesting. Cliff Kingsbury. Guy hey, was an international well, sex thinking. symbol. And then, you know, four years later, three years later, not even. He didn't even go full term. Uh, he looked like a corpse at times. <laughs> like he's been buried alive and just came out of the ground. Yeah, no question. Um, there's two names for you guys, and Sirianni was hyping up Jonathan Gannon after your game. That like you know, I know these guys are focused on the playoffs, but the reality is these guys are also auditioning for jobs. Like, make a case for why Jonathan Gannon. From looking at you, you know, you're spending time on. It's easy for a defensive guy to say, oh, "I like the coach." But you watch him work every day. Like, what's he about? And do you think he has the leadership qualities that you could see in somebody that could run a building? Oh, most definitely. You know, I think you know the first year you come in, and, and a lot of these players sometimes are inherited. So you, he's they've only had like one real offseason to acquire kind of what they want for as far as a, what their defense look like, how their schemes, so to really kind of infiltrate their own type of style in. And so they know what what wins in the league. He knows what wins. Uh, obviously, you got to be talented and know what you're doing but yeah i just think how he handles himself um just with the uh the team uh even with mostly you know the offensive guys he has a good relationship with but just hit him and shane i mean they're both yeah uh, shane too yeah they're both really good at what they do uh and shane is always uh yeah i mean he's always like just like Sirianni, I mean they got a lot of that young coach energy so they they, they bring the energy and uh very focused and uh yeah, man. They, but like I said, them having one year to really get their input on the roster and and helping with decisions made, I think that speaks a lot too. Yeah, Gronk was on uh, Gronk's on NFL Sunday with my dad. I don't know if you turned on the TVs before the games, but like uh, Gronk was on there with with Big Fella this weekend and was like, "Hey, and you got to watch the Eagles. Their offense has been great. They got this offensive coordinator Shane Spikeman. Uh, yeah, Spikeman." And they pan over to my dad. My dad's like about to crack up. So you guys, uh, you guys ought to call him Sh- Coach Spikeman. Hey, I'm gonna say, call him Shane Spikeman for now. <laughs> yeah, you got to, you got to. He might get it. Um, and then you know, like on the coaching end of things, man, it's been fun to watch what Doug's done in, in Jacksonville, man. Yeah. I know they're done now, but that was a big, big year for them to take a oh, huge yeah, step forward. They like the belief in him, and now Trevor. Uh, are, is there any surprise? I mean, like for me, I was surprised it went as well as it did. I thought it'd turn around, but well, I mean, Doug's good at the quarterback <laughs> position, man. I mean, as you know, I mean, it's like a pitcher in baseball. That I mean, it does make a tremendous amount of difference. But I feel like you know that was his kind of job in the NFL. He was a coach, and then he, you know, at times he was helping Brett Favre out. You don't realize how much those guys help yeah. some of the guys playing sometimes. Yeah. Uh, so I just think that. And then uh, their defense, um, you know, they're starting to build that up. I'll probably, they'll probably get a few more pieces there in the draft, but they're not they're not far off. Get a couple more weapons for Trevor. And but yeah, just from where they started and then to where they finished, it was impressive watching. I smile watching him on TV. It's just like it's impossible not to. Doug? Yeah, enjoy you know kind of seeing him on because people just that don't know Doug, he's just such a unique cat. Like he's just so in his own world. He's not worried like, about I like bullshit. When he showed up on uh, on Saturdays with the uh, was it Louisiana Monroe, mm-hmm. all the stuff. So uh-huh. 
Louisiana boy. Um, no, nah, so we're, I'm rooting for Doug. Um, Lane, where, I think I'm going to get up for the game this weekend. Uh, let's say the Eagles win for some reason. Uh, I don't want to put the cart before the horse, but where are you going to take me to eat after the game? After or before? After. You're not taking me anywhere before. You're going to be doing your... your... Well, I didn't, I didn't know what day you were coming in. Friday, Saturday? Well, I, I, mean, I don't know yet. i got to clear it with the, the kids. But uh, but if I get up there, are we going to Chickies and Pete's? Where are we going? We're probably... Uh, we need to go to State 48. That's a good steak spot. Oh, steak 48. Um, yeah. All right. So so if, if, if you guys get the win, it's Steak 48 on me, okay? As long as they have TVs in there because I want to watch the other game. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Fair, Kyle. You got anything else for the the possibly the two best tackles in football? I, I did like the the two best tackles in football are going to be on the same field this weekend. Wild. I mean, oh, and, oh and, you boys, come on, yeah, dude. It'd be fun. He was older, man. Never got to play with him. That would be fun. Oh, He'd just be out there just velociraptor dudes <laughs> dude the two best tackles in football on the field this weekend we got to talk to one of them my favorite tackle in football lane johnson appreciate the time and good luck this weekend my brother all right guys kick ass lane yes sir all right, it's always good to talk to the big fella. I, this week we were talking about it, Reed. He hasn't given up a, a sack in how many plays? Is it like 30,000? Yeah, it's like a couple that. thousand. The yeah. last sack 30, between him and uh, Jason Kelsey was 2021. And only a pressure since like halfway through the season. Yep, week, week 11 of this season. We really should be talking about Lane Johnson as one of the best tackles that ever played the game in a time and a place. He won't chances are walk away with the pro bowls that you know like some of these surefire guys had you know like people consider walter jones the best ever i'm not saying he's the best ever but what i am saying though is in his prime he's about as dominant as a guy especially when you consider the quality of pass rushers today and the 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 amount of, of times he has to drop back and protect um i think he's been just remarkable it's awesome only truly special guys can play while injured and still be good yeah and I'm not trying to say he's Jonathan Ogden or something. Uh, again, it's really hard to compare, you know, eras, even if it's 10, 15 years. And these guys are the, the greats of the greats because they had really long resumes of greatness. But Lane's window here since the championship and before it, uh, overcoming injuries, overcoming everything he's overcome, like he is one of the best tackles to ever do it in a time and a place. Some people might call me um, a homer, but... That's well said. Yeah. Uh, and on to one of the fucking best teammates you could play with. Uh, and, and a guy that has turned himself into like a, an important piece on a championship caliber team in Ted Karras. Huge piece. I mean, he's, he's, a, he's done a really good job. He's made himself money in the league. Like he wasn't a, you know, a heralded guy. He was young when I was in New England. I didn't know what he'd turn out to be. But he is a fucking riot to play with. A lot of fun. Um, and now he's a veteran, so I know the muzzle's really off, and he's got to be just a joy to, to line up next to him. Cincinnati, rather, and somebody that probably keeps it light in that room. So can't wait to talk to Ted and stick around after this for a little bit of fun mailbag. All right, I got, I got stud lineman Ted Karras, who, who's a guy that I played with in New England, and uh, I just I was just catching up with him offline. It's so damn cool to see you playing football deep into the postseason every year, man. I've been been very fortunate with some some played on some great teams, man. It's been uh, 
This will be my fourth AFC Championship appearance. Very grateful. And thanks for having me on, Chris. Been a fan for a long time. Dude, I appreciate you. Just super happy for you. Um, is there anything like, you know, before we get to Sunday and the whole thing, you know, you have a unique experience because you played in New England. I remember when I got to Philly, like, dudes were like, what's, tell me, what's the secret? Like, what's it like? You know, the whole thing. And it's not quite like that, but there's some pretty cool shit you can learn playing for the Patriots, like, especially right now, talking to younger players. Is there anything you learn there about the playoffs and kind of the way to be that you've imparted on guys? Well, that the main thing, you know, Bill would always say home field isn't really an advantage. He would put up the stats and meetings and, you know, show scores of home teams getting blown out in the playoffs. I remember that was a, an early thing. I think he always had a meeting called Playoff Myths. Was, <laughs> yeah, okay, I remember that. The, the two biggest things being home field doesn't matter and playoff experience doesn't matter. Yeah. No, it's true. It was one of the, like one of the things like when they used to ask in around playoff time, I was like, guys, like I've seen guys, myself included, make big mental errors in playoff games, like fuck up in a playoff game. Luckily, I, nothing ever burnt me. But you know, like guy who's been in the league ten years can make them. You know, guys that have been in the playoffs ten times can make mistakes, and guys you've never heard of can make big plays. Like look at the history of our game. So, I think that's really. Like, that's an important one because it doesn't matter. Like, experience matters, but it doesn't really. I bet this Bengals team, like a lot of guys before last year, never sniffed the playoffs. Absolutely. I mean, it was it's a really young team, too. So this is kind of, you know, everyone's first experience in the NFL in general. You know, they had a you know a deep run last year. But, yeah. You know, they're, they're taking some of that experience here with us, but – you know, everyone's everyone's grinding it out. It's a fun team to be on. Di- way different culture than New England. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. And also, like, the city, like, the fan base, you know, I saw you guys, like, going to the tavern and the game ball and everything. Like, it's just right up your alley, too. Oh, and it's man. like it, – it, but I just – when I got to Philly, it was the same thing where it's like this city hasn't won in a long time, and the, the feeling is so fresh and so, like, different than, hey, New England, we've been there. Like, this is what we do. Yeah. I don't know if you the had that experience. Versus the real, the versus the real hunger of yeah. you know, for a championship. Yeah, exactly. It's really cool, man. And that, that tradition that Zach started going to the bars is like a dream scenario, really, a after a playoff scenario. win. It's a dream scenario. And that was a bar that I, you know, wanted to go to. That was the first night out. I went on out on draft night with a couple guys uh, that I knew that lived in Cincy. Yeah. And then this group of friends that kind of works there is in the neighborhood. Introduced themselves to me. We've been friends ever since. They they set up. 200 people there. It was pretty awesome. That's so damn cool. How loud did it get in the jungle? Was it the loudest you've heard it there when Hubbard returned that uh, fumble? Oh, yeah. I mean, it was electric. I think a, a stadium record again. We've had three of those this year. So that's that's pretty amazing by the Cincy fans. I didn't even see what happened until he was on like the 25. Oh, really? You were like getting water yeah. or going over something? I was locked into the iPad. We were trying to – we were – Really, what we were preparing for was, you know, a game-winning drive. If yes. they score here, we got to go win the game. Yeah. No, it's crazy. The Ravens, they're just so tough, and they muddy it up no matter what the situation. Um, I just uh, – you guys are such a mentally tough team, and I think a lot of that edge seems to come from the QB, too. I mean, like, uh, what's what's his effect? You know, like, everybody knows he's a badass, and, like, he's a leader, and he's got an edge. But, like, how does that literally translate into the way you guys operate? Well, I think one of the you know understated points of Joe Burrow is that he performs at an elite level every time he's touching the ball. Yeah, um, you know you can be a leader all you want, but it is a performance league, and he's one he's probably the best I've ever seen at delivering the ball right yeah. to the spot. Yeah, 
Um, but his his attitude, his energy, and his relationships with guys, he has his own little, you know, quirks with each guy. And yeah. really, he's a killer. He wants to go out and win. And, you know, you can see that. I, I saw it in his eyes a few times. I'm like, oh, we're winning this game for sure. Oh, yeah, dude. I mean, the way he walked into the stadium last week in Buffalo, he, like, bumped into the door. Like, the door almost <laughs> fell off the hinges. Like, you guys, like, 180 or something. But he's just he's just so damn on a mission. Uh, and and the, the, the drip, the swag is impeccable. I just wonder, on game day, if dudes are like, you don't talk to Joe Burrow on game day. Like when he's over eating breakfast, does he eat alone? Like is he just in his zone, or is he pretty chill on game day? It's just kind of a, a folklore thing that he's just ice water in his veins, not saying shit. Well, he is ice water in his veins, but he's not rude at all. Yeah, no, so, I would yeah, imagine he, rude. I just imagine he, like that guy is a stone cold, cold killer this morning. You know, let oh, him. Eat I don't him. talk to him till CQ exchange. I give him a little. Fist bump is CQ scenes. I'm letting him do his thing. Wherever he needs to get yeah. for us, he he makes us all look good. So I'm not I'm not overly bogging him down with any of my yeah game day needs. Yeah, well he he can't go out to uh, that 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 tavern. Like he can't walk around Cincy. No, he can't. And it's uh, I guess it's kind of sad. But I guess if he if he's up for it, you have to plan it. You have to plan yeah. some security. People would probably be in tears. This city yeah. loves this team, and he is obviously the paramount leader of it so yeah it's it's really cool though do you know like i know he might not like the comparisons but i definitely see the brady stuff like uh i i see you know what it what it was for me initially was like look at the way he navigates the pocket you know like the other stuff great like yeah being a everybody's different you know i hate it when they boil people down to be like oh he's probably just like this guy uh but you know like his accuracy the ball placement as you put it like be making conversions you guys are like built so you can drive right down the field it's not like a bunch of big plays it can be but you know having that ability and i thought like in the pocket kind of his understated athleticism it did remind me of brady am i crazy you've played you with not. both and of them very very similar demeanors as far as like you need your qb to be pretty cool with everybody yes. i think it's a you know, it's, I've been very spoiled with quarterback play in my career. Yeah, you've and, been a little spoiled. With yeah. play. And it's an interesting kind of comparison where Tom was in his 40s but still a superstar. And, you know, yeah. Joe Burrow's 26 and a superstar. And, you know, they carry themselves. They have, you know, a great relationship with everyone, like I mentioned. And, you know, on the football side of it, Joey B's a little faster than people think, too, though. He, yes. He, he makes that's, that's He's more athletic than Brady. I'm not saying that's the thing. Like, make no mistake about it. You know, like once he steps up into the A gap, if it's vacated, Joe can pick up 22 yards. Like, so no problem. I can count those runs by Brady on one hand. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And he's, he, he, can, he has the ability, he, like great awareness, like you said. You know, we have a good relationship as far as like our set relationship, yeah. protection-wise. And he understands all of the schemes and knows where we could be broken down at yeah. times and maneuvers himself and, and, and helps us out a lot. I think that's one of his biggest improvements this year is we've gotten to know the new O-line and the new system um, kind of working together to eliminate pressures and, and all that stuff. The O-line's coming together, man. Like, I, it was tough to see Jonah go down, but, you know, like watching Carmen uh, work in the second half of that Baltimore game, he gave up one sack. I don't know if there was supposed to be chip help or what, but, like, I thought he looked pretty good. And I knew that he'd be up to the task this weekend um, what do you see from some of the guys that have stepped up? And then also, like, what, what are the mechanics that go into, like, literally playing together? Because you guys have been through this at the beginning of the season, too. 
like yeah you have this like little dream team in, in in free agency but nobody's played together so like how hard is it and what have you seen from the young guys that have had to step up well jackson akeem and max i mean they came in yeah. and they really bought in early you know everyone kind of got their role after camp and they bought in and, and really were very hard workers scout team all year and when their numbers called, I mean, they delivered a huge performance in, in yeah. Buffalo. I was really proud of Jackson. Um, you know, he's come a long way, you know, from, from how I met him and, you know, where we started this year and and took advantage of an opportunity. I mean, that's carving out a role and, and playing really well when it counts the most. I think it's a tremendous foresight by our uh, upstairs that they got Max Sharping yeah. off waivers, too, in the beginning of the year. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, he was a three-year starter in Houston uh, until this year. Obviously, they – you know, uh, drafted a guy, but that was good for us because he's a proven starter. And that's, it's been, you know, kind of a plug and play scenario for a lot of these guys, which is a testament to Frank, our coach, and also how they've prepared all year to be ready. That's awesome, man. Yeah. You guys played really well together. How was it playing in the snow, man? Like, did you guys eye that forecast towards the end of the week? Is there talk, you know, I know you guys like those big boss shark, you know, rubber things that I'm like, how the hell are you digging in with these cleats? But, like, is there talk about the footwear? What goes into it when you see on the forecast that we're going to be getting wet weather and it's cold? Well, as a center, you know, the wetness is always a factor with ball handling. Yeah. I made sure I had uh, – I towel a series because it was yeah. icing out. I've never really played in a game where it's snowing and sticking, accumulating during the game. So that was a new yeah. experience for me. Um, but it wasn't too cold in Buffalo, not as cold as it's been in the past. But the snow was a factor. We didn't talk too much about it, though. Yeah, no, it looked fun, though. It just looked so fun. I turned my TV on. I hadn't looked at the forecast. It was like, boom, Tony Romo, Jim Nance, and a bunch of fucking snow. And I was like, this is just playoff football. I was I was so excited. O-Lyman might not get excited as the fans do when the snow comes no, down. The O-Line is excited. Center less excited than the rest of the O-Line. You're the guy who's stressed. I bet the rest of the guys are like, okay, you slow the rushes down a little bit. You know, the footing's not as good. But um, this week, big challenge chris jones man i like when i watched your last game uh when y'all played the the chiefs and watched it back i just every play starts for me i'm like watching film and the first thing i'm looking at is where's chris jones it's just like even as a viewer and i know you guys a lot of it is going to be like where the where the hell is this guy lined up um how hard is it to, to to block him what kind of a challenge is that and what do you have to do well, I think the, the the first thing you notice about Chris Jones is just how big he is. Yeah. I mean, he's he's all of six six, very long interior rusher, just about as long as interior rushers you know have ever been. So, and he has good finesse. He can he he swims a lot, which is a dangerous move. Sometimes hard to defend, yeah. especially quickly off the ball. Um, but obviously, we're going to be focused on him. They have a lot of other good players too. They got Frank Clark over there on the edge too, who's good player. Yeah, always played really well in the playoffs that's you know been a been a big part of his career so uh we got a challenge you know going up against them inside Derek Noddy they got a good front man they're a good team this is you know uh kind of turning into a you know a a big matchup we've the Bengals have played the Chiefs a lot in the last couple years yeah and the communication at Arrowhead I mean like you guys have to really go through it to communicate no, we're gonna have to. We're gonna have to. Everyone's got to turn their head both ways. That's my away game rule yeah. for communication. Because you can't just shout into the void. I don't know if anyone's hearing me. Oh, definitely. We had linebackers, and you know, you just be like facing the other direction, yelling something. No, you got to get in my fucking ear. And you and gotta sometimes right I got to look back there to anticipate the call. 
Um, and that's it was nice in Buffalo going up 14-0 six minutes in. That kind of tempered the crowd a little bit. That's huge, right? Because that place was ready to erupt, and y'all just had the opposite effect. And like, I, I know that's a big part of you know going on the road is like you got to come out and punch them in the mouth. Absolutely. This is the fun part. Okay, so like, um, I was looking up who. Uh, were some of the celebrity fans of the Cincinnati Bengals. And with the long years of, you know, obscurity and maybe some losing, uh, but people forget that the 80s were were pretty good in Cincy. And there's some people that like the fucking Bengals, and you can't do anything about it. And there's a lot of cool ones. And I was going to give you five of them. First, I was going to ask, you know, uh, if you've met any Bengals celebrity fans. I know. I've not. I mean, there's a lot of local celebrity podcasts. Cincinnati has an interesting media market because oh, it's it? like it's got like uh, I would say ten big podcasts that are just ran by fans. Really They're interesting. Yeah, oh, that's cool, man. Well, yeah. I'm talking about people like George fucking Clooney here. I was going to guess George Clooney. He's from yeah. Northern Kentucky. I haven't met him, but I I do love that he is uh, a Bengals fan. That's good. Okay, we got Clooney. We got Nick uh, Lackey from uh, 98 Degrees. I believe that's 98 Degrees. Uh, right? It's 98 degrees. Lachey? Oh, Nick Lachey. <laughs> Why doesn't he smell like Lachey? What the fuck? Hey, Ted, did you know how to spell Nick Lachey's last name? Let me, let me try to guess. Uh, uh, L-A-C-H-E? Well, that's Why? It's pretty good. Yeah, you got it, dude. I mean, like, Nick Lachey's name should be L-E-S-H-E-A, in my opinion. <laughs> okay, so Nick, Nick Lackey. From 98 Degrees. Uh, you got Woody Harrelson. Whoa. Which is cool. Carmen Electra, which is cool. And then Jerry Springer. Okay, there's five of them here. You get to have dinner with one of them. Who's it going to be? Uh, I, I would have to go George Clooney. I mean, a dinner with Carmen oh, would be exciting, but just to... <laughs> Just to talk to George Clooney, he's been the tip of the top of celebrities for so long. It'd be cool to just taste that world for a second. Yeah, exactly. Like that's a well put. That's really well put. Um, okay, you're a big fan of The Office, like so many in your demo and my demo. <laughs> um, I, I was wondering if I would take a shot at a couple of the characters. You could tell me who might be the most like this character in your locker room. Okay, okay? let's start with Creed Bratton. Creed, man, that's a tough one. It's an insult. Is it an insult? Because he's <laughs> yeah. kind of crazy enough that you like him, and you're like, nobody fucks with that guy. And if he says anything, I'm gonna go Clark Harris because he's kind of the old, he's the old elder statesman, and uh, he's a little bit, you know, he'll he'll get after it. That's a <laughs> perfect some stuff out there. That's perfect. Clark Harris is a legend, man. I mean, like legend. this guy has been there forever. He probably knows every bar in Cincinnati. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, <laughs> been to all of them. Uh, and he's like Creed. He just sits in the corner and occasionally says something off-putting. Uh, okay, Mike. Uh, I have written down here, Mike. That's Michael Scott. So who? So who? Uh, who would be most like Michael Scott? Which is also an insult. So we don't maybe want to insult. So I mean, it's, these are tough. I mean, you got. Uh, okay, Jim. Give me Jim. Because Mike. Uh, Jim. Man, I would have to say. Almost Joey B. You know, he's the cool guy in the office. Everyone kind of wants to be his friend, but he's kind of a little bit, you know, you got to work for it to be his friend. <laughs> but he's still really cool. Yeah. Like, just kind of an observational, like, what the fuck is going on here? Yeah, oh, yeah, like, really. That kind and of then, thing. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I've got Dwight. 
Man, you know, I would say as far as like crazy antics, I've probably pulled some of the most. I mean, my old line, we have like a fine board system, and they Alex Kappa instituted a TED fine, and it's fifty dollars, <laughs> and it's the only rule is you know it when you see it. You know when you see it. What? Give me an example of something that was seen and known. Like, um, I would say for weigh-in day, I get fined every weigh-in day because I got to bring up eight water bottles to the morning meeting, you know, to just get that that last six pounds up. That's okay. a Ted fine. Just doing something ridiculous, like, like chugging eight bottles of water. That's perfect. Minutes. Yeah, I got fine. caught doing that at the combine to try to get my weight up. Tony Sperano, God rest his soul, saw right through it. He was like, sitting there in sunglasses. He was like, I noticed you were drinking eight to ten Aquafinas in the hall. I was like, damn, this guy's (laughs) good. Sometimes you got it, man. I mean, it is what it is. (laughs) Fuck yeah, dude. Okay, and then last, Stanley. Stanley. Well, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is is grumpy. Over it. Over it, grumpy. And we don't have many Stanleys. (laughs) I would say someone who does get (laughs) – we have a pretty high-energy team. But you got uh, a lot of uh, Andes. We got a lot of Andes. We got a lot of Andes. We got a lot of. Uh, I would say we got a lot of Dwight's enthusiasm too. That's. I mean, even just like looking on the plane ride back, everyone mm-hmm. grinding the film and in, in between the celebrations, walking up and down was great. But Stanley, I would say someone who does would get pretty grumpy would be Trey Hendrickson. Trey, I mean, Trey's pick. Trey's getting older quick. Like, and I think the way, not on the field. Mess with him. Yeah. But he's definitely a vet now. It's funny. I can remember the kid in New Orleans, like the rookie. We traded jerseys. Oh, I was like, this kid's just such a bright-eyed little guy. And now he's just yeah. this fucking, uh, you know, he's got war paint on. He's, yeah, I never he's seen like him He's like a smile. karate master pressure machine. I mean, his little double swipe, <laughs> yes. knee up. I love that. And there's no Robert Californias. As long as there's no Robert Californias, everybody's everybody's okay. Well, so there's no, yeah, no Robert. That would be that would be front office. Yeah, I may be getting in trouble. Yeah, Robert <laughs> California was a weirdo. He's way up there. Um, okay, you're a Big Ten guy. You're this. I learned a lot about you today that I just didn't know. Like including what you, I knew your uncle played, but I didn't know that he went the that Howie Long went the uh, Alex Karras route. That he uh, acting, acting yeah, I didn't oh, yeah. know that, dude. Holy shit! I mean, I've actually never seen Blazing Saddles. Wow. Yeah, dude, that's pretty bad, huh? You should check it out. It's a classic. It gets, uh, I mean, it's it's culturally explicit. For the yeah. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll get it when I when I watch it. All right, it so was the, 1976, but, very, but it's, it's a, everyone loves that movie, man. Very uh, Gene Wilder classic. There they were, were they were. Uh, classmates at iowa no way yeah well it was funny because we were just prepping a little bit and I, I somebody said his uncle was mongo in blazing saddles and then there were like five people in the office that were like his uncle was mongo wait mongo like people are really into mongo and yeah, mongo was it was a great character an all-time character um and he got the part by walking into uh the office and um, throwing the chair against the wall and said, me want part. That's <laughs> fucking good. <laughs> That's so good. But the other thing I learned was that you're the seventh person in your family to play football in the Big Ten. Is that, is that accurate? Yes. So my last question to you, Ted Karras, would be Big Ten aficionado. How do we feel about the new kids? And like, can it ever feel normal? 
to have these uh, these conference of champions teams in the Big Ten. You know, I think conferences, I think nothing's going to feel normal in college football anymore now that there's some NIL going into it. It's going to be, you know, kind of always was chasing the dollar, but I think it's going to be even more exasperated for yeah. these teams to team up. And, um, you know, there's a hundred, I guess, you know, teams in that league, but really about 25 that are generating the biggest revenue for it. So we'll see. They're all teaming up. I'm interested to see what the SEC does more than the Big Ten. They yeah. they kind of will control the, you know, the path that it goes. But I think it's just kind of just big money football now. It's just kind of, a, you know, going to be a, you know, anything to drive revenue. UCLA, Illinois every year uh, or every other year or however. I wouldn't mind year. going to Westwood every other year. Right. You know? That's the part about it. Yeah. So kick one team out of the Big Ten. Rutgers. Okay, good. Yeah. I'm sending this to Devin and Jason McCourty immediately. And oh, yeah. Duran. No, they didn't play the Big Ten. They were in the Big East when the Big East was rolling. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They, but then they got scared and they ran away. Well, the Big <laughs> East got, you know, Just went to So, uh, okay, Ted Karras, uh, awesome player, um, great guy. And, uh, dude, I'm just so happy for you again. Uh, kick ass this weekend. We are a pro Bengals pod, so – Make no well, bones thank about you so that. Much, man. Thanks for having me on. It's yeah. been a long time. Won't yeah. be so long the next time. Absolutely, dude. I'm going to come down to the tavern. <laughs> I would love that. <laughs> All right, big boy. Hey, it's good to see you. Thanks for the time, bro. Oh, that was fun, man. The new year is here, and there's no better way to kick off 2023 than by making sure you're feeling like your best self. Liquid IV is the category-winning hydration brand that's fueling your well-being, and their hydration multiplier is the one product you're missing in your daily routine. In just one stick, you get five essential vitamins and two times faster hydration than water alone. Liquid IV is kind of like a jack-of-all-trades. I can use it with a hangover. I can use it when I get home from a night of drinking. I can use it before a workout. I can use it after a workout. Uh, I can use it when I'm just feeling a little foggy and I got a fire on all cylinders to deliver these takes. My favorite flavor is watermelon, but I'll try any of them. They got Concord grape, lemon lime, pina colada, tropical punch, strawberry, passion fruit, guava, acai berry. With three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks, made with premium ingredients, non-GMO, and free from gluten, dairy, and soy, Liquid IV is on a mission to change the world. To date, Liquid IV has donated over 25 million servings in 50-plus countries around the world. Grab your Liquid IV in bulk nationwide at Costco, or you can get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use the code GREENLIGHT at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code GREENLIGHT at liquidiv.com. If you're in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, or right here in Virginia, and you haven't tried the WinBet app yet, I have great news for you. Sign up today to receive special offers and take advantage of great promos for the big game and the upcoming college basketball tournament. Don't miss out on the fun. Download the WinBet app today. Terms and conditions apply, must be 21 or older, and present in a state where WinBet is available. Gambling problem? In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia, call 1-800-GAMBLER. And in Michigan, 1-800-270-7117. Tennessee, y'all too, 1-800-889-9789. All right, before we get to mailbag, Kyle, you, uh, you're, you're watching The Last of Us? 
Yeah, Kate and I made it about a quarter of the way through episode one. It's a lot of fun so far, but we had to stop. It's a scary show. You know, we had just put the baby down, and it was really quiet and eerie out in the country. And, you know, the fun guy is is not very fun at night. Yeah, you're right about that. Um, Do not call it a zombie show. That was pointed out to me very firmly Mm -hmm. by a few of these, like, I don't know, video game types, your people. That they're like it's based on a video game and they're not zombies i'm like well watching episode one kind of look like fucking zombies to me like run-of-the-mill zombies a lot of traits of zombie movies technically they're reanimated by a fungus yes okay paid attention to the beginning the opening dialogue but what's the difference between a zombie and that well a zombie is that but what we know as a zombie is actually something else i know but like webster's dictionary i'm not really study. sure but the way they explained in the beginning was there's a fungus that gets inside of the host it becomes the host and then it just feeds on other things zombie it's a puppet it's a mythological undead corporeal okay corporeal it's not it's not it's not literacy it's it's just the the size of the font I in which the, a zombie is a dead body reanimated through various methods most likely most commonly magic like voodoo okay well then walking dead's not zombies because it wasn't magic and voodoo it's an outbreak so guys get off your fucking high horses get step down off of your gaming chairs can we just choose to call it, it a, a zombie no but i mean like it, you know how about an it's outbreak a zom- it's a zombie it's show an outbreak show but like zombie shows and stuff like that are typically associated with like b movies and they don't want to be thought of as that they want to be like high oh, art they want to be in their own class oh, yeah. high art. this is a fungus this reanimation movie basil. i'm looking for something to watch when i eat some fucking pork rinds just be happy i'm watching the video game show yes but honestly they're not because you know people that that they they be happy i'm not playing Warzone for 20 minutes so i can watch but people that 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 were on the ground floor with something don't like it when it gets popular right one of the ways they cope is educating the new fans showing off their superior knowledge base sherpas looks like a zombie to me yeah you know like a zombie i gotta say really creepy when when the the young gal i'm not sure by the way i we stopped when they were pulling her out of the truck, and I hope she does all right. But there's a lot to there's a lot to remain here in the show. Obviously, it doesn't look good. I saw a lower leg. I saw a she lower leg do- injury. I looked at Kate and I said, "She's not going to make it." But we paused it, so yeah, we're going to see. Um, but she I, might be doing all right. I will on how say when she it. checked on Mrs. Abner or yeah. whatever. Yeah. And she was over there looking at the wall, and she, in the mirror you could see Miss Abner back there looking yeah. a little sketchy. Oh yeah. Oh man. Oh man, and the way she was feeding on her, you know. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Miss Abner was off the Zen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, she needed. She was a on zen. like a twenty-four. She needed a Zen. That's how I was Saturday night. I got home, a couple drinks. Yeah. Was like, let me pop in another six and another Yo, six. Eat my kid. No, and then that's how I felt. <laughs> I was just, I was all fucked up. Then I was like, I, I actually just took it out. I was like, okay, I've, I've seen the light. Um, all right, so. We have uh, some mailbag questions. Love mailbags. We good love we love mailbag, huh? Good job this week on the mailbag, guys. Yeah, they good did job. a good job. Yeah. They were like lickety split, man. The first one. John Dabkovich asks, um, you know, you guys talk about worst plane ride, but what happens after a big loss at home? Um, say like a playoff loss or, you know, something. I can speak to this uh, being that I lost to you in yeah, that the was... playoff set our home in Chicago when we lost 
uh, in the double doink game. I mean, we you leave the stadium and you're in downtown Chicago, and one thing you don't notice pulling in is that the entire skyline is lit up in navy and orange, and Go Bears is on the side of big buildings, and uh, you know, small businesses, just like a high school uh, town in Texas on Friday night. It's all. It's all for the home team. And then you realize that you kind of not only let yourself down, you let your team down, but there's an entire city behind you. There's an entire fan base that sees you. let Ashton Kutcher down. Quite literally, you you could be letting your team's Ashton Kutcher down. Yeah, like think about that as you guys are, as Cody Parkey's not driving the ball enough. Like you just let Ashton Kutcher down. You let Mike Dicka down. You let Dick Buckus down. A lot of plays in that game let him down. You let the mayor of Chicago down. But yeah, it sucks. Uh, and, you know, for a lot of these guys, it's probably a 20 to 40 minute ride home, I'd say, on average for some of these guys. Coming, it's quiet. Coming home, it's really quiet. You try to play some music. I, I used to love to put on some Drake after games and chill out. Yeah. Um, and on my ride back to Lake Forest from downtown Chicago, it's a really uh, it's a really quiet time. It's the only real still that you get. It's the calm after the storm, I guess, and you get to think. And then you show up to your house, and you usually have to entertain guests. Or that's the part that kind of keeps you from losing your mind. Yeah, is like people are in town. You know, um, not that I don't love my wife, but we've been in the foxhole together. Um, you know, for sixteen regular season weeks, five six weeks of preseason and 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 training camp, OTAs like. Everything, every moment, if you look back at your year, was centered around preparing to to not go home and to perform individually. So you think of all the time that went into it, and it's just gone. Um, yeah, it's tough, but when people are in town, that helps a lot. That's a good breakdown, Kyle. Yep, good question. Um, okay, I've got another one for you. How will the Chiefs adjust their O-line play? This is from Ryan Thurman. Uh, with Mahomes having an ankle injury and how will that affect the type of defense the Bengals run against him? I've talked about the way the Bengals might play him more. I mean, the first meeting, they, they ran 15% man. That could go up. You don't have to worry about him scrambling as much. Certainly your calls in the red zone are going to be different. What you expect out of him is, is going to be different. You could rush with more reckless abandon. You could almost invite him, you know, force him away from his throwing hand and make him have to leave the pocket. You know, if you're the right end... You could take more up and unders. Um, you know, the guys inside have to be at his feet. I don't mean like being dirty, but I mean like you have to be pushing the, feel you. the interior offensive line back into his feet so he can't land confidently uh, and throw the ball. So there's a lot of ways that's going to affect the defensive game plan. What about the offensive lineman? I'm glad you brought up at the uh, the end of your, your points there, you were talking about getting around his feet, making him feel you in, in terms of the inside of the pocket getting pushed. One thing we have to remember, my guy Nick Allegretti did a really good job filling in for Joe Tooney. Yeah. The last Bengals game, um, and Nick Allegretti's been around uh, under Andy Heck, the O-line coach, for a while. He trusts yep. him. He can play yep. any of these positions on the inside. But n- nobody does it quite like Joe Tooney. Yeah. And when Joe's in there, particularly in conjunction with Orlando Brown, that left side has a lot more co- confidence, communication. They're going to be yeah. at home. Um, I-, I think it's going to be spread spread the field, have Patrick take the snap in the gun, mm-hmm. and have him make quick decisions. And, and Andy and... Eric have a, a deep, deep playbook that they can draw from uh, with, with spread it out, 
quick game. Yeah. And I think you do that with Pacheco in the backfield. You're going to do a lot of inside zone standard stuff, and they're going to rely heavily on these big guys up front. Yeah. Um, we know Patrick isn't going to be able to do the standard rollouts, nakeds, boots. They're not going to be there. Yep. The RPO game is what they're going to have to rely on heavily. Exactly. And it's going to be a true run-pass option. It's yep. not going to be a run-pass-run option like we see with the Eagles. You see Jalen take the ball and run with it. You can see Patrick do that sometimes. Yep. Though it's not his preference, he's going to need to run it with the running back, hand it off, or throw it immediately. And I think for offensive linemen, it actually gets easier in a sense because balls out. you know where he balls out <laughs> and you know where he's going to be. Yeah, you know, like A lot of times you all get beat for sacks, but you didn't really get beat. Because your quarterback's a little bit, you know, uh, aggressive and and might drift to to nine or ten, or you know maybe he drifts a little bit to the right or the left. So uh, a few ways. Or it's doing a one eighty out of bounds, throwing it behind his back, you know, to somebody fifty yards yeah. across the field. Yeah, which is nice. Brock Purdy's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. This is from Mark Bergen. What was your welcome to the NFL playoffs moment? Well, I'll go, because uh, I only had one game in the playoffs. I uh, would say that it was playing against Fletcher, and oh, yeah. you know I'd played him before, and we'd, we'd gotten after it pretty good physically, and he's obviously a great player, but the, the welcome to the NFL moment was uh, the end of the play wasn't always the end of the play. Usually there's a time with our internal clock where I'm blocking you or you're rushing me and you see that the ball's out and we, yeah. we kind of laugh and you know run down the field to wherever the ball was. The play is never over in the playoffs. Yeah. And Fletcher made me realize that because we were on the backside of a draw. I, I clubbed him outside and he went to go arm back over. He took me by the back of my helmet and yeah. <laughs> drug me to the ground yeah. and took off. And I was like, this is what people are talking about when they say it's more physical in the playoffs. Yeah. It's, you know, the... <laughs> The play goes on a little bit yep. longer. Uh, that was my welcome to the NFL moment or the playoffs moment. Just the level of physicality <laughs> against the Eagles, really. Yeah, Fletch was tall task for anybody. And um, for me, it was New England, you know, like not necessarily the game was moving faster, but that I overcompensated for being in the playoffs and tried to do too much and got to feel the uh, steepened kind of, um, I don't know, disciplinary system in the playoffs like from a standpoint of if I fuck up Bill's gonna sit my ass down for a little bit yeah you know like when we got in there and played the Texans I was lined up uh in you know outside over a tight end in a two-point stance so I wasn't like a two-point stance guy you know I, I didn't like being in it um I like being in it in a five when nobody's out there because it just like feels like hey you can run off the ball but the footwork on stunts and like crossing face is all fucked up yeah as a guy with a hand hand in the dirt and I was supposed to stunt and I kind of like instead of exit no I was supposed to you know come down and and hit the tackle and cross face if if he came out to me there's a way to do that and it ain't arm overing the tackle and trying to like you know, be one of these playmaker -y guys. I'm just not one of those people. And I was like, oh, it's a playoff game. I want to make a play. So I did it, and he got me under my arm, and I got fucking, I, didn't, I don't get pancaked a lot, but I got taken like two yards inside, down, like into the tackle, like asinine play. Yeah. The type of play where you're like, what the fuck is he doing? Yeah. And I don't make those plays. And I remember coming, you know, they got me off the field. And I would say the rest of the playoffs, for most of it, um, I was not a first and second down guy. You know, I just think like Bill has to trust you a great deal to have you in there 
um, and I was undersized anyways. Most of the time on first and second down, I was playing in a three. Um, you know, and that was a moment for me where I was like, damn, dude, like not only do you have to, and this is something I told the, the, the Eagles the next year, because Doug used to get us up to talk to the team if you've been in the playoffs. And my message to them, it must have resonated because Zach Ertz was on TV like last year talking about giving the same speech was like, let the play come to you. You know, I think that's one of the hardest things to do in the playoffs because I've been waiting 10 years for it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You got to actually do your job. And when it comes to you, you got to be perfect. Mm -hmm. And that and that was the whole like, don't try to do too much. Um, and that was my welcome to playoffs moment. Ooh. Yeah. It's a good one. Yeah. I've got a couple right here. Yeah. Hit us with one of yours. Um, thoughts from a player's perspective um, with McVay wanting time to think about coming back then deciding to come back. Well, if you think it through, it's interesting because, you know, like a major life decision like that, if you need time to think about it, like coaches interview for other jobs in the playoffs, they can multitask. Uh, and then like how much Jeff Fisher used to say to me, or he said it to me when I was retiring, don't retire in a J month, January, June, July, you'll either be too reactive after the season or you'll be dreading training camp or whatever it is. Um, and you know, and um, so I, I look at it like that's a J month. You know, like how much can you really glean about how you actually feel about doing the job? And I kind of wonder if McVeigh actually got a real look into, you know, where, where his head's at um, for four days after a season. I also do think it had, it had something to do with TV, you know, and the setup that he was gonna get or wasn't gonna get was gonna dictate, can I seamlessly transition? It does bother me as a player if you ask for an unwavering commitment, yeah. regardless of what's going on in my life, inside the building or outside the building, on the field or off the field, um, with my family, with my wife, with my yep. girlfriend, with my kid, whatever. And with Matt. And McVeigh has the luxury of being able to say, hey, you know, I need some time to think about it. Yep. And they expect us as players to show up every day regardless of what's yep. happening. Yep. Um, it just, it, it feels weird to me. It feels uh, cast system-ish to me. Uh, the way the NFL set up, I know there's supposed to be equality in the NFL. Yeah, but, but you know, players players so consider all the time if they're going to come back or not. I'm, but it does take. But oh, it doesn't. If I'm one of his players and he comes back, I'm going to be like, I'm, he's not. He's not going to seem the same to me. Right. Yeah. I, mean, I look at it like very cut and dry, cold. If a coach takes a visit elsewhere, his head's still in now the that, game of football. Yes. He still loves the game got of it, football. Got it, got it, got it. So there's a big if difference. If you're thinking about you. stepping away, and we're in week 10, yeah. and we're four and six, yeah. or we're you know four and four, four and five, whatever, I'm, and you're giving a speech about, you know, don't I don't want to see anybody checking out, whatever. Yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah. hey, bud. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, at least he waited until the end of the season to, to make it a thing. Um, but it was made a thing and you're right like there will be opinions and they will vary like me personally I don't care as much. I was raised up Among a group of vets that everything was a business like they were old NFL guys and they were like they looked at things real cut and dry and for me It's like they're they're people too 
this guy works his ass off. He's got a new a, a new baby, that sort of thing. You know how different it is for you, you and your life yeah. now. And I just wonder if part of it was like, hey, you know, if I'm going to make millions of dollars, maybe there's an easy easier way to do it. And I think he explored his options. I don't worry about his commitment level. As a media member, long term. As a media member, I understand where he's I at. I do as long a term. Person and a dad, I yeah. get where he's at. But it, if I'm on his roster, I'm going to be like, well. I, and I'm not with you on the roster thing as much. But where I am with you is like free agents. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, come here. Like, we're building something. You know, this year is going to be rough, but we're yeah. going to draft somebody. It feels college coachish. They're coaches at the end of the yeah. day. They're all coaches. They're all fucking independent contractors. So, coaches. Um, yeah, kickers and coaches. Um, okay, this is from Tupac Shaker. Mm. <laughs> He's alive. Which remaining QB has the most drip, swag, stilo? Can also do this for coach and or defensive line. We'll stick to the QBs and maybe we'll get to coach depending on how it goes here, Tupac. But I would say the guy with the most drip left in the playoffs is um, is Joe Cool. Yeah. Relative to, I mean, like Joe's this kid from suburban America whose mom made him do the Pledge of Allegiance on video. You know, like it's pretty incredible that he's amassed this much swag. I'll go with the the actual coolest guy is Patrick Mahomes. Cool, yeah, cool. He's an actual but, but superhero. But he's got the least but drip. But I say the most drip yeah. is Jalen Hurts. Yeah. Every time we see him at the podium, he I looks say, great. my God. And you hear him talk and you go, Jesus Christ. And they both. And you watch him play and you go, what the fuck? Yeah, they, but the same thing with Joe. Yeah. It's like they're both. They're both so cool and so confident, but not cocky, like right on the line where you want to be supportive of your teammates. You make them more confident by being around them. It's amazing. It's like the Mahomes effect almost. But Joe kind of had to overcome not, I mean, you know, I mean, he's always been cool, but I just wouldn't have, His I would have been scouting that. His incredible. Bet yeah. Ohio State, Urban Meyer not giving mm -hmm. him the chance that he wanted, that he worked for. He, he went to LSU. Mm -hmm. Best season ever, right? Now I'm looking at Brock Purdy here. I was about to say, you guys gave Purdy some pretty strong bulletin board material right there, mentioning all the, the three other quarterbacks first. He doesn't well, want to no, be the swaggy. Now, now, if I'm going to rank the – like, if we're going to go out to dinner as a team, who am I putting my money on to have the best drip from A to Z? You know, Joe Cool, Jalen, Joe by hair um, – this is drip, okay? I'm not saying I like like the quarterback more or the person. I'm just saying, like all things considered. And then third, I'm going Brock Purdy, just because I know that Mahomes is so anti-drip, he actually has drip. As a dad, 37 years old, who wears sweatpants every day, who can't be bothered to put a suit on, like what you do, Kyle, is amazing. You go up to New York, you get on an airplane every week, you get to, the producers are like telling you what to do and shit. It's more of a conversation here, and uh, and and uh, and then you got to put on a, a nice suit. You got to pack the suit in a suit bag. Mm. Suit bag thing's terrible. Garment bag. Garment bags are the devil. I mean, the whole thing is just. But you got to do this really remarkable thing. I'm not that guy. So when I look at Patrick Mahomes, I'm like, I can get on board with that. The guy's like uh, works at a golf club. Swag, you know, like. <laughs> 23-year-old guy that works at a golf league, caddies. But then he turns into, like, he shows up in the in the softest looking, like, the most soft material from Louis Vuitton. Well, you know it's with expensive. Like, with the ice white diamonds. Yeah. I'm like, geez, how much does that necklace cost? He's a cool guy. There's no denying it. I never this see those because cool. when I see him, it's at the golf course. Yeah. And he's Like you're talking about, he's in a polo shirt and khaki shorts with, with his Adidas shoes on. All right, coaches. 
Um, yeah, until they have their own shoe. Coaches, I'm going. Um, oh, Shanahan. Shanahan. Well, yeah. Shanahan. He's a lurker. Yeah, you know, Sirianni's kind of got the Jordan thing going on, like a guy that wears like Jordans and like a sweatsuit every he's day. He's loud at parties. No, he's not loud at parties. I think he's cool at parties. I bet he's loud as Okay, fuck. and then number one is going to be Kyle Shanahan, right? Because he's got kind of the Manhattan Beach drip. Low the, hat. The, like, that guy is living his best life drip. Yes. You know, like, he's like, I live by the beach. I work from home. Sometimes I have Rides a wife. Rides a beach like, cruiser to the bar. Yeah. Like to eat that, a cheeseburger. You know by walking past him on the street down uh, down by uh, that restaurant with the big glass front in Manhattan Beach. Right by Simsies. Yeah, all those spots. You're like, he's here. He lives here. Like, this guy's got bread. Andy Reid's fourth. Well, I, I can't imagine Zach Taylor looking very cool no, away no. from the building. It goes Kyle Shanahan, Andy Reid. Over For Sirianni. For me. Okay, all right. Uh, this is from Hurricane Chris. Every wave, there's 10 third graders, and every fifth wave includes a fifth grade boss. All the waves. How many waves are you last thinking <laughs> All of them. They're just going to be this kickball. Throwing them around. Yeah. <laughs> going to look like an Unreal Engine ragdoll. You know the cell trial. phone the cell phone <laughs> games that people play where there's like 100? Multiply. <laughs> they're just coming at you? <laughs> That's how I imagine it. And Kyle's the big boss. So Have, give me the rules again. So let's really answer this. No, Kyle, it's easy. You give them iPads. Just give them all iPads. You just back up the Apple truck. <laughs> I'm good. I, I can buy because you don't need to have one kid on an iPad. It, these kids are just watching other dads in the metaverse I driving fake cars ways. around with their kids. Just bring other like, dads got it. Hey, make friends with your kids. Entertain your kids. Throw a bunch of gummies on the ground. Play with your kids. Other dads got it now. They're on YouTube. Mm hmm. Uh, now I'm saying this in jest that me, my kids are my best friends, but for the 20 minutes a day that I don't need them to be my best friends, other dads got it. This is a good one. This is from Papa. It's from Ken Flagel's nephew. He says, "Chris, I'm Ken. Chris, I'm Ken Flagel's nephew. You have my attention." Um, <laughs> do I keep the tradition alive of getting him tattooed on my body if the Chiefs win the Super Bowl oh this year? Oh my God! Yes. Yes. You absolutely do. There are no stupid questions except for that one. Now, I, I, uh, I'm not going to show today, but I have a big Ken Flagel tattoo. It's a great tattoo. Flage. It's big. Me and Flage go to the same barber shop. Coaches. You know do you really? Yeah. <laughs> the invisible barber. So, um, Flage, what was I going to say? Oh, you'll get coaches that will text you and be like, Yo, I need to see Flage's tattoo. That's amazing. Can oh, me. Chris yeah, 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 you yeah, got a yeah. text. You were like, yo, some of my coaches I was like, that's were... amazing, me too. Yeah. <laughs> I, get, I, used, I used to get that all the time, especially in Kansas City. They'd be like, we heard that Chris has Flage on his chest. It's true. I'd be yeah. like, I'll FaceTime him right I have now. It on my, I have Flage on my neck. I'd be like, hey, Chris, what's up, man? I know you're in a meeting, but can I see your tits for a second? <laughs> some... when, when Flage met Meg at practice... He was like, nice to meet you, Meg. I'm Ken Flagel. And Meg was like, I know. I wake up next to you every day. Uh, can't take her anywhere. So That's good. Um, Derek Chad, if you switch Macon's and Kyle's body type uh, and kept their faces, who would look funnier? <coughs> Obviously, Macon. No guy built like you has that haircut. <laughs> if he does, picture his haircut, right? he's making money on Instagram with his fitness girlfriend doing like... You know, which is great. Which is great, but most guys built like you are driving a truck. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> or or the one guy on a construction site that like that guy should have played in the NFL. What happened? Was there it meth? 
There is a guy that's on Instagram. Was it an injury? There's a guy who's probably like six foot eight. Yeah. 300 pounds. Giant black guy who's jacked as fuck and he just dances everywhere he goes he's yeah like, he dances like mm-hmm. on people yeah he's been banned from so many establishments he's just a big smiley happy you're not talking dancer. about the guy that comes in and yells at people it's all a joke but he like comes in and like acts like he's gonna so. fight him okay it'd be funny to have kyle go to various bars around seaville and just like apply for the bouncer job and then just watch to see how quickly he gets Content. it Let's play. You gotta have a different name. Which place hires me no, fastest? From we, first phone call to. We send Nate, you, and Macon, and see who gets hired the most and the least. Yes. Think about it. It's we pretty interesting. It's like Dateline type shit. Macon will be talking about his torn labrum. Yes. <sighs> oh, I do have a labrum. <sighs> what? Where are you on punching people in the face? Well, you know, I had a friend. And uh, I hurt my hand, and I told my friend that uh, I can't make a fist anymore. And uh, why would you? And, and then I sat there and I was thinking about it. And why would you want to? Next, right? Macon. Yeah. So, um, but imagine Macon's head on your body. It's just a fucking. I try not to look too closely at him. Yeah. Who can drink the most beer out of the four remaining quarterbacks? Uh, I got Patrick Mahomes there. I got Patrick Mahomes there. Yep. Jalen takes too good a care of his body. I bet he's one of these guys that doesn't drink. He just goes to the bar and just and leans I on the Brock bar. I bet Brock Purdy's a uh, you know a ghost. Uh, what do they call that? A go, uh, dark, yeah. dark horse. I dude. bet he can drink. Iowa State. I bet he can drink. What were they doing? Yeah, they were drinking. You see his dad up there in the stands. He's had a couple cold beers up there. It was cold. I'll put it that way. If I can go off board, I'd take Minshew. Oh, off-board, yeah, off-board. Blake oh, Bortles. Chad Henney. Chad Henney has drank yeah, a right. billion beers. And we FaceTimed you a few times. You did. Yeah. You did. You I'm always FaceTime me with Henney because that's my dog. He's the man. You guys are the oldest men Oldest men on the yeah. So, so, yeah, Chad Henney, think about his numbers since he's gotten the league. The plane rides before they banned it. Um, oh. The, the plane rides, the golf tournaments, the charity events, the fucking the night before the game in the hotel, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. He's a, he's a legend. He is yeah. a legend. Patrick so, would delete some brews. Oh, this is from uh, Dylan. What's your Super Bowl drink, uh, your Super Bowl parade drink of choice? I'm trying to imagine what yours would be. I think you'd just be drinking beer. Yeah, a lot of cold beer. Yeah. <laughs> he smiled too. Yeah, I taught the guys. In I New- had many dreams of I, of having that parade at yeah. Millennium Park in Chicago yeah. and yeah. just crushing beers, but it never happened. Well, Kyle, in another life, uh, I wish we were on a parade float together. And uh, it, I, when I got to New England, I taught those guys you could bring these big Gatorade coolers. I think I taught them because like Dev was like, "What? You're gonna bring all this alcohol?" I was like, "Yeah, we're gonna get really drunk today. What do you guys do here?" You're just like, yeah. like, what, you just fucking ride around in the car? I mean, that sounds cool, but I would be like uh, Stetson Bennett. Did you see people got mad at Stetson Bennett because he was just on his phone a lot? Turned out he was controlling, he had the aux cord. <laughs> is, that what the, yeah. is that what was happening? Because he's the only guy that listens to, like, vintage 50 Cent and stuff. Like, he, these kids That's missed a whole, a whole... He's got Lloyd Banks coming but, through. Yeah. Lloyd Banks! <laughs> Lloyd Banks had a fucking... So mine was George Clooney's uh, tequila. The clune. Nice. You know, the, you probably don't even know it, do you? I've had it. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Well, I, me and Timmy Jernigan polished off about a bottle of that thing. There were so many germs shared that week. We went from Minnesota, 
where we were in the Mall of America, just trapped in there like a petri dish. Yeah. Half the team was sick. And then uh, we get right on the plane with all our sick ass kids. Waylon had an ear infection because the whole team and the coaches and the wives and the kids take one plane. They have a couple planes. You land, you get one night's sleep, take a bunch of airborne, whatever the fuck. And then you get on the fucking float the next day and you're just chugging out of the bottle, passing whatever people are passing. And it's just like a fucking. It's a disregard for. Who cares? Yeah, health. I'll be sick the next two weeks, but I'll yeah. be happy. What was your coping routine? I know we talked about how it was leaving the stadium after a loss, but what was your coping routine after a devastating season-ending loss? Um, really boring. Just get as drunk as I could. Like, uh, especially early... <laughs> <laughs> just laughing at that. But it's true. Like, you just like, fuck it. There's nothing I got to wake up for. I got to wake up for exit meetings. The number one drunkest meeting in the NFL is the exit meeting. Like, in St. Louis, I had it down to a science. I mean, because we were, you set your watch to it. Exit you meetings. literally schedule it. Scheduled it. Oh, yeah, it's already in my Google calendar. <laughs> I've got your birthday. I have an exit meeting. It's Elimination January 3rd. day and then yeah. exit meeting day. So, um you go out and just get obliterated with your guys. We might wait a couple of days till after exit meetings to do the let's get a party bus and go. We got a party bus one year, the whole D line in St. Louis, and and uh, I made it to the first bar. <laughs> you know, like that oh, type yeah. of thing. Oh yeah, you get so, excited on the bus and it, both parades didn't make it to the gets club. Quick, things Did, happen fast. Everybody was yeah, things happen fast because you're dehydrated and the whole thing. And but the years we won the Super Bowl, I did not make it to the nightclub after the parades. 0 for 2. People were having the night of their life. I was asleep. In the bus? No, at home. Okay. Because, you know, like after the parade, I was like just... um, How about you? For me, it's uh, the first four years of of my career, I'd stayed in L.A. during the off-season. Yep. Literally, the exit meeting would happen. I'd get in my car. I'd get my car packed up, and I would drive across the country, and I'd make it there in like 24 hours. I remember that, yeah. I would drive... You know, and you'd go from the frozen tundra of Illinois and you'd drive through all the, you know, the Midwest states and then you'd make it to the Rockies and then you'd get through the Rockies and it would start to get warmer. You'd come down the hill in Arizona and you're like, okay, we're okay. We're out West. And that's how I knew that things would restart. And, uh, yeah, you just crave the sunshine, right? You crave the, crave the warm, the warm air on your skin. That's exactly, exactly what I would have said if, yeah. That's my coping yep. strategy. That's beautiful. The Zen? Yeah, yeah, just a bunch of Zen. Yeah. Had they made Zen, I would have put a whole tin <laughs> yeah. in my mouth after some of those games. Some after zen. we lost to Charlie Whitehurst with a chance to go to the playoffs. Oh. Guys got drip. He would be number one if he was still there. He had one of those cool hats. I saw him in New Orleans. You know, a guy who's wearing one of those fucking cool singer-songwriter hats Yeah, can actually pull it off. You know, you feel uncomfortable around him. Like he's so, got his shit together. Yeah, perfect hair. This is from Charlie. If you pick one team in your career history, Kyle's career history, to have play, played together on, what team would it be? So how, how am I interpreting that? So you would have liked to have played last year on the Kansas City team. Yeah, that really? 
Oh, well, yeah. I think you would have fit in great with that defensive line. You and Frank Clark got on really well. Yeah, I like Frank. I think you and Chris Jones would have hit it off immediately. Yeah. Um, you obviously knew the D-line coach. Yeah, Brennan, um, Brennan Daly. You know Spags well. Yep. Andy Reid loves misfit toys, and that's what you and I and everybody else who aren't in their first nut in the NFL are. We're yep. all misfit toys. Yep, yep. A bunch um, of maters. You know, unless you're Travis Kelsey and you've been with yeah. the Chiefs for 10 years, you're a misfit yep. toy. Yep. If you could reverse it. I would have liked to have seen Kyle next to Lane. Oh, if, if Lane Johnson and I got to play together in, in the mid, you know, teens of the 2015-2016 era, <laughs> it would have been a lot of fun. You know, not that I would have wanted you to go through this, but St. Louis with Fish was fun. Like, yeah. you would have liked playing for Fish. And obviously, William Hayes and all those guys. Oh, I mean, we just, when you were coming out in the draft you were basically like one of the gang we took you to vegas yeah had a great time there like you would have loved being on jeff Fisher I did team the kylo ran uh trajectory that yes i, I yes. went the different way yeah there was a standoff uh-huh yes they made a movie about it yep <laughs> and and the x-men were there children died yep i was magneto what about the children yep. what about them uh-huh take care everybody thanks for coming out Thank you.